kicking off episode 217 of Monster Kid Radio with a song from the band Invisible Dracula because we're going to be talking about a guy who played Dracula in this episode. The song by Invisible Dracula that you're hearing right now is Cobweb Jungle. It appears on their album, The Invisible EP. You can find them at invisibledracula.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. That's the website for the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. This week, we have an actor on board. Now, not too long ago, Tales of Dracula hit DVD shelves. You can buy it right now, and it's affordably priced. We'll talk about that here after we talk with actor Wayne W. Johnson. He is the man who wore the cape, bared the fangs, and played Dracula in the movie Tales from Dracula. A while back, we had the filmmakers of Tales of Dracula on the show, and this time we have one of the actors. Now, Wayne's going to talk about his background, how he got involved with the movie, some of the other projects he's got going on, his inspirations, what he liked watching growing up, and it's just a fun conversation. I had a good time chatting with Wayne. Now, if you're a Facebook user, you can find Tales of Dracula on Facebook, or you can buy your very own copy right now. Like I said, it is very affordable. You can get it on Amazon for $5.98 or go straight to the distributor at oldies.com and buy it for $5.95. And if you buy it right now over at oldies.com, well, you can take advantage of a sale they've got going on where you can get five DVDs for $17.95. Buying it that way helps keep Tales of Dracula at the top of their sales chart. And I think once you see the movie, you'll agree with me that the movie certainly belongs near the top because this is an honest-to-goodness throwback movie to the monster mashups and monster rallies of the 1940s a la Universal with just a touch of hammer flair. Tales of Dracula, as conceived by director Joe DeMuro, delivers for this monster kid. And I think a big part of the reason are its actors, especially Wayne W. Johnson. And after we talk to Wayne for a little bit, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the upcoming Living Dead Horror Convention here in Portland, Oregon. That's all going to happen right after this. Tiny punctures of the external jugular vein, right side. Any blood? No, that's the strange part. No evidence of bleeding. This medallion, composed of horrors unimaginable, taints the secret heart of Sandra Harrison with the blood of Dracula and possesses the mad mind of Louise Lewis with dreams of limitless powers. I can release a destructive power in a human being that would make the split atom seem like a blessing. A woman overfull with fantasies of terror, stimulating young girls beyond any reasonable control, piercing the Earth's crust to make black magic with the blood of Dracula. Transforming a young girl's love into terrifying bloodlust. Symptoms are identical. Two incisions of the jugular vein. Was the killer human or animal? Dracula. 
Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Hunt him. Attack him. This eagle must be destroyed. Burn down. Burn down his citadel of evil. You fools! You think you can destroy my master? The flames will never reach him. He is evil. He is the embodiment of all that is evil. Is the very devil himself. Dracula's reign of horror reaches out even further. Stop! A winged creature of terror becomes Dracula's most fearsome new ally. Enter Dracula's stronghold at your peril. There is one way into his innermost sanctum. Hey! Help us! Help me! You will tell me everything! Tell me! Oh, oh, he was here! It's true, he was here! Got away! You must get away too. Now! One way in, and no way out. There is no escape from the all-embracing evil of the humans who do his bidding. From the creature that extends his power, there is no escape, not even for the protected, from the scars of Dracula. Take her with you. You'll do terrible things to her if you don't. Terrible things.
Monster Kid Radio listeners, I'm recording right now with an actor. It is June 20th, and I say that because Monster Bash is happening right now as we're recording. And I'm not there, and neither is the guest on Monster Kid Radio this week. But we're doing the next best thing. We're hanging out on Monster Kid Radio, talking about his involvement in Tales of Dracula. I'd like to welcome to the show Wayne W. Johnson. Wayne, welcome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I finally am so glad to be able to use my real voice finally. On an interview. I mean, um, <laughs> Joe said that we could use this, my real voice, but then he put some other actor's voice on there, and I don't know. I'm kind of a little miffed about that, but it's, uh, I, now you can hear how I really am. So, I mean, it's really, I feel it's very powerful, and the presence is just there, you know? <laughs> I think if Dracula came into the room and talked to me like that, I'd be terrified. Uh, so would I. <laughs> <laughs> For all the people who just went, what the? <laughs> you know, like there. This is my real voice right here. And thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for making the time to do it. I appreciate having you on the show. And, you know, I just watched Tales of Dracula not too long ago. I got my DVD copy. And cool. I got to say, I'm impressed, man. It, it takes a, a particular kind of actor to step into the cape of Dracula. What was the experience like? Well, there was a lot of pressure, and there's a lot to live up to. And, I mean, it's one of those things where... I knew right off the bat that there's some actors that go into iconic roles like Dracula and they're like, oh, I'm going to just totally make this, uh, you know, unique to me and uh, I'm going to do better than all the classics and stuff. I wasn't in that mindset at all because, number one, I'm 100% sure that there's no way, no matter what I do, I'm not going to surpass Bella, Christopher Lee, any of those guys because there's a reason why they're the classics, you know. Sure. I mean, they, they set the standards. You know, I wanted to, at the very least, be able to convey the spirit and hopefully kind of follow in the footsteps, but I just don't think I'm up to that level, personally. I didn't want it to be like, uh, oh, this is like Blackula, <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, or this is, this is one of those Draculas that's just like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy. You know, I wanted to, to stay true to the classics. Joe told me right from the beginning, he, he was very much into the classic Universal and Hammer films when it came to Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman and all that. So he definitely wanted to keep that vibe, which is kind of interesting because, you know, after talking with him a little bit, uh, he kind of steered me over towards the 1979 Dracula with Frank Ligello. He has walked through centuries, untouched by time. He has seen empires rise and fall. Possesses the wisdom of the ages. Throughout eternity, no man has ever provoked such terrible fear and such haunting desire. Dracula, starring Frank Langella, with Laurence Olivier. I am the last of my kind, descended from a conquering race. But I must warn you to take good care. If at any time my company does not please you, you will have only yourself to blame. Oh, God, that's my poor soul. Thank you. 
greatest lover who ever lived died and lived again. Dracula. You know, and that was an awesome movie. I, I watched it numerous times, although that was a little more romantic. I guess that's kind of the start of the romantic Dracula in a way, how he was, you know, so lovesick and he's alone and kind of like that, I guess. I'm not 100% sure if that's the first one, but it was definitely one of the ones that kind of set that tone for my research. But I know Joe, he didn't want it anywhere near like the Twilight vampires, you know, definitely not sparkling. Um, he, uh, <laughs> that would be interesting. It probably set my hair on fire if I was sparkling, <laughs> you know, but, um, which would be interesting because um, that would be an interesting visual effect. Um, I'm sure somebody with uh, those skills can do that on the, with a movie clip. But anyway, um, he wanted like the real inhuman, evil monster Dracula. You know, the one who just was very cold, callous, is going to have his way or he's going to kill you. It's that simple. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, no doubts or anything. It's just it's his way or no way. So that obviously started going back towards the Bella version. So I watched a lot of that. I watched some Christopher Lee. This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula, the terrifying, the feared who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenberg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. And I try to take a little here, take a little there, and then I just did it. And uh, I just hope uh, I did justice to the character and that people are entertained by what I brought to the table. I enjoyed it for what it's worth, so it worked with me. Oh, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but uh, I enjoyed it. So so there's a win for you there. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think the only part that's really me is my hair. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you, know, that, you know, that's 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 definitely me. I mean, you know, because I'm sure that if they could have found somebody who looked just like Bella, for example, they would have snagged him in an instant. But that's yeah, kind of hard. I mean, Bella really set the standard. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. 
something so incredible. I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms. And he made me drink. You know, I don't speak Hungarian, so for, to me to try to fake a Hungarian accent, number one, there was no time to really learn it and get it down properly. And two, if I couldn't pull it off and make it sound exactly like Bella, then there's no reason to do it. You know, so that was kind of off. But, you know, there's if you watch the movie, there's little um, nods to the classics, little sayings here and there that were said and you know little mannerisms um for example with frank for example with his hand where it was like two fingers up and his thumb up and then the ring finger and the pinky finger down so it's almost like a like a bat's claws in a way Hmm. i incorporated that a couple of times in some of the scenes because that seemed to make sense to me sure the character and stuff and the contact idea was more joe's you know he wanted that because it made him dracula a little more i guess more evil, more eerie, creepy. Mm-hmm. I, I did pick up on some of the little nods here and there, and it gave it an interesting continuity because I know Joe is such a big fan of the mm-hmm. club ball, and so am I. So I appreciated that. You mentioned if they had found somebody who looked like Bela, they would have gone with him in a minute. How did they end up with you? How did you get involved? Well, Joe could probably tell you more details about this, but from what my understanding was, originally they started um, the project back, I think, in 2009. Oh, wow. Uh, initially, um, and the script had, from then till now has gone through many. This is before Dwight was on board, I think. And I might be saying some of this stuff wrong. Joe can definitely clear this, but mm-hmm. this is my understanding of the whole thing. They actually had somebody cast as Dracula, but for one reason or another, that person wasn't able, able to do it. I think the person moved out of state <laughs> you know, before filming. Oh, so, okay. uh, which kind of. You know, kind of messes up your opportunity right there. There's a hint for all you people who want to get into acting. If you get a role, don't move out of the state before you're filming. (laughs) Kind of, and don't be surprised if they say, well, you're not part of the production anymore. What do you mean? (laughs) So, um, actually, what happened was, um, I'm trying to remember everything here because I've gone through so many different projects. Movie Mike actually uh, messaged me through um, my actor page on Facebook. And he basically thought that I would be great for the role. They were doing auditions for Dracula and um, wanted me to come down and do it. And I said, sure, that would be awesome. You know, I had just played a vampire in another movie, uh, which hasn't been released yet. It's called uh, The Crimson Moon by uh, Mad Angel Films. However, that's more of a common type of uh, egotistical, arrogant kind of vampire. Okay. You could say that about Dracula too, but Dracula's on a whole different level, especially this version of the Dracula. He's very cold. He's very calculating. He's not going to 
rush in and do stupid things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, you know, so many years of experience and stuff, and he shows that. He's a thinker as well as an extremely powerful being. So he's going to show that. He's not going to just rush in and all of a sudden make these mistakes and then try to overpower out of it. You know, he's very calculating. And Joe wanted to show that side too. And you could see he's very, you know, there are times when he gets mad. I mean, like when he finds out about the blood issue and all that stuff. But even then, he basically knew what he was doing. It's not like he just blasted through the door and started destroying everything in sight and with Victoria Frankenstein going, oh, what is that? Someone busted through the door. You know, it wasn't anything like that at all. But I had just done that, so I think he may have seen a trailer that I did for that. It was originally called The Devil's Hand, basically. Uh, so he asked me to do that, so I went down there and mm-hmm. I met with uh, Joe and uh, Thomas and Mike, and I did the audition. And they basically said that, you know, they would let me know and very soon after, I got the call and said that I got the part. I was like, awesome. Send me the script. I think they actually gave me a good chunk of the script right there. Oh, okay. If I remember right. Um, because it was pretty quick. It didn't take very long for them to get get a hold of it. It might have even been that day. I'm, like I said, I can't really recall. Joe would probably recall that a little faster. But, you know, I guess there was a couple of people that came in, but... You know, I guess I did well. <laughs> Obviously, I got, I got the part. Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I had, the proof's on you know. screen. You, yeah. you mentioned that you didn't want to just play this guy that barges in and just does whatever. There's just cold calculation. I did appreciate, though, that underneath all of that, there was a sense that if Dracula wanted to, he could just barge in and just take everything out. So yeah. there's this yeah. nice kind of restraint, subtle kind of approach to some of that. And I appreciated your performance there. Mm-hmm. Were you a fan of classic monster movies before getting involved in this to a point okay just to go back to the other thing though um i would just say that what might be interesting is to see uh, you know this was obviously set sometime you know in the i think in the 19th century mm-hmm. you know the setting or something like that but dracula obviously if you're if you're going with vlad that mm-hmm. was what 13th 14th century or something like that and maybe it's because you know the years of experience and stuff so he's a little more calculating he's a little more methodical and stuff like that so maybe a very younger dracula in terms of vampire years maybe he did do all that stuff and he learned his lesson you know maybe he had some Mm -hmm. close calls or maybe he got killed back then and then got brought back and stuff and said i'm not doing this again i mean i like steak but not through my heart (laughs) (laughs) that might be an interesting thing to to see or maybe like maybe a flashback or something like that for somebody whether it's joe or anybody else you know maybe there's a younger dracula who's just learning how to adjust to his powers and stuff like that but at this time period with tales of dracula he's definitely more methodical by far. But um, going back to your original question, because I tend to veer off as you probably well, I'm pretty well aware now, I veer off all over the place. So again, it's another case of, just shut up! <laughs> um, basically, uh, to a degree, I mean, I came late into the game when it comes to watching horror movies. I was really a fan more of uh, fantasy movies, like the Dungeons and Dragons type, like Conan the Barbarian. Uh-oh sword and the sorcerer those type of things and also science fiction so there's like star trek star wars is one of my favorite ones actually the original three mm-hmm. you know all sorts of there was more than three that, uh well yeah there's well <laughs> you know, it's i understand all that i actually haven't yeah. really sat down and watched the prequels the first three start if you go by the numbers i mean mm-hmm. you got star wars the original star wars which is star wars 4 the new hope right that one when i watched that originally that freaked my little mind like crazy i mean i had to buy everything star wars oh, yeah. I had to, you know every 
I used to live on the Marshall Islands, which is 2,100 miles uh, southwest of Hawaii. So, and like every year, we would go to, you know, we'd have to go to the U.S. to visit relatives. We would always have to stop at Hawaii first because otherwise you just crash. <laughs> you know, you run out of fuel. Um, very so, important. Very important. Yes, yeah, very, very important. So we would actually, and there was for three years, there was like this one theater there uh, that just showed Star Wars. That's oh, wow. It just kept showing Star Wars. And I was like always begging my folks, I got to go. I got to see this. And so I saw the movie multiple times. And then, of course, when it came out on VHS, I had to get that and everything mm-hmm. else. And, and just watching that over. I mean, the, the opening scene just still, it just, it's like, oh, that's so awesome seeing that Star Destroyer coming in. Oh, just thinking about it, my blood's pumping right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, hear it, you. It's awesome. And then The Empire Strikes Back comes out. Yeah. And that's like, wow. I mean, that's just so awesome. You know, the whole thing with, uh, Darth Vader, and you know, and then then I saw the third one, um, the Revenge of the, of the Jedi, Revenge or Return, yeah, Return, yeah. It was originally called Revenge, and then right. they changed it to Return. And I was kind of, ah, it's okay. It's still part of you know the whole thing, but it didn't hit me as hard as the first two. And then the prequels came, and I didn't really, I watched parts of them, but I just, I never really sat down and watched them straight through so one of these days i'll do that and you know but i've heard a lot of bad things about them so it's i mean that doesn't necessarily mean you know that i'm gonna automatically say it's bad but i honestly i just haven't watched them all the way straight through so i really can't form an opinion except maybe in the next tales of dracula we'll have jar jar in it i don't know, <laughs> you know oh, jar, jar, jar jar is the wolf man Oh man! He won't bite you, or <laughs> something like that. You know, um, don't give Joe any ideas, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> but you know, the horror movies. Um, originally, it, it took me a while to get into them. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I was just scared. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, I remember like the original Halloween freaked me out. Okay. When I first saw that. I was just like, and I, I don't know if that's really a classic per se. I mean, if you, you know, I, I appreciated like the the Draculas and the Frankenstein's and all that. The creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh and, yeah. Um, so I knew of them, I knew parts of that, but I never really sat down and just straight through watched the entire thing until like, I mean, I knew the story of Dracula more from reading than I knew from watching the movie. Hmm. And this was when I did this movie, it was actually the first time I actually sat down with the 1931 Dracula movie and watched it from beginning to end. And then I watched it multiple times and I started watching, you know, as an actor watching it, like what Bella would. Is it Bella or Bela? Oh, uh, Bela, Bela. Bela. Oh, so I've been saying his name wrong. Like, nah. like, like I don't think like, he minds. It, uh, <laughs> well, if he if he does, I'll probably soon know about it. <laughs> you know, Bela. Okay, I'll just call him B. <laughs> that sounds um, good. <laughs> Lugosi. How's that? There we go. I, I pronounced that one correctly. There we go. Um, but I started watching what he was doing, and in terms of the movies, he was the blueprint. You sure. Know, whether it's staying true to it or people even making parodies of it it's drawing from his foundation you know whether it's the accent or good evening you know and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and being elegant and majestic but also cold and calculating at the same time all that stuff and then christopher lee took up the torch and then you just keep going on and on and you got a lot of good ones and many more bad ones in my opinion (laughs) i mean everyone's got their fans i kind of made a little rag on blackula a, a little while ago and I mean I'm sure it's got its fans and stuff and I haven't watched that movie in, in, in its full either but I've seen some clips and I'm just like well that's 70s uh, exploitation type film yeah it, it was I the guess. 70s 
seventies, you know. It was the seventies. I, I just I was just at a premiere um, last week for a movie called She Kills, which was done by Ron Bonk, and I have a very small cameo in it, uh, which uh, is rather interesting. I'm only in I'm only in there for a moment. I did this back in 2012. I'm like a, it's an ode to the seventies exploitation films and a lot of sexual innuendo and horror. I mean, because basically, mm-hmm. just to say real quick, a little promo for that. You know, it's it's about a woman who gets who's very innocent and pure and she gets attacked by a gang called the touchers and you know raped molested and all that stuff but turns out she's got this power within her you know i mean it's just so wild and out there and stuff like that and that also ties in with another movie i did that involves with um ron and another director his name is jonathan Strait, and, and called night of something strange where i play a modern zombie and uh that one is very over the top i mean uh the first 10 minutes of the movie when i turn into the zombie i actually get hit by a truck and half my face gets ripped off <laughs> you know and I'm, I'm throughout the rest of the movie with half my face like you know ripped wow. and stuff and it's just gory because it's it's basically the zombie virus spread through stds <laughs> okay it says uh the tagline for that movie is bring your raincoats and a bazooka <laughs> or your condoms or something like that sure. i'm like originally they were set up as like uh twin grindcore movies now they're separate, obviously. There's stuff from one and the other. And there's actually some actors from one that are also in the other. Okay. So just a little ode to that. But, of course, I veered off from your original question again. No, that's fine. You know, class, but classic stuff, you know, when I was a kid, I did watch parts, you know, the Dracula. I knew about Frankenstein. But, again, I, I knew more about them from reading than I knew them from uh, watching the movies. And it wasn't until not too long ago when I started going back and not just monster movies but classics in general mm-hmm. you know like charlie chaplin and uh errol flynn oh nice and all sorts of stuff i mean i'm starting to watch uh, humphrey bogart i was very late in watching casablanca i'm catching up slowly but surely which is weird because i'm an actor but you know even <laughs> i came into the game late even with that when did you start acting i didn't get serious about it until uh 2011 oh okay well i was pursuing um music mainly for most of the 2000s and even uh, earlier than that. I mean, you know, when I was in high school, when it comes to acting, I did a few school plays here mm-hmm. and stuff, and I, I liked the attention I got from it, and it just seemed kind of easy to me. You know, it just it was easy for me to memorize lines. I shouldn't say that because now all of a sudden all the people I'm going to be working with, oh, <laughs> you said it's easy to memorize lines. <laughs> you know? I'll check with Joe and see how true that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he could tell you some stories. <laughs> But then I also got involved in music in part because most of the friends I hung out with in high school were uh, musicians or fans of, you know, hardcore fans, heavy metal fans at the mm-hmm. time. And, you know, so I kind of had to make a choice. And um, I chose music not for the best of reasons. Part of it was the peer pressure. Part of it was because um, the story goes that what I usually will say is, you know, when you, you have your high school prom. Uh-huh. And everyone's hooking up and stuff, and uh, basically, uh, you always have that one kid who's like begging, oh no, uh, women to just go with him because he can't find anybody, you know, because he he can't get a woman to save his life, you know. Back then, that was me back then, you know. So, uh, <laughs> oh no, music seemed like a great way to do to bridge that gap, so to speak. And because I, I mean, well, back then, of course, you know, I mean, I I had like a bowl haircut. I'm wearing jeans with the sleeves rolled up with wristbands every day and got a tiger belt buckle and you know i got a <laughs> jacket has either kiss or a dragon on the back and i'd never seemed to change my outfit it always was the same thing it's like every day so I'm, yeah i was a chick magnet back then you know that sounds like so, it yeah. yeah so um 
Although, you know, nowadays it's like I'll, I might post a picture here and there, there and I hear, oh, that's so cute. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, where were you when I was in high school? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were probably the one of the people like throwing eggs at me or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did music and I did that and I, I still do it a little bit here and there. You know, basically by, by 2011, um, there were a lot of changes going on in my life. I had been laid off from the job I was in, so I had a lot of free time. Uh, and I had some money behind me because of that. Uh, in addition, musically, um, I'm in a band uh, called I created called Caroline Blue. Okay. It's a melodic hard rock band. And we our music um, has been compared to bands like Kiss with some touches of like Typo Negative, Megadeth, uh, Chevelle, Dokken, L.A. Guns. That's a little promo for that there. Uh, <laughs> I'm always in promo mode. But one problem that I've always had with that band is the lineups. They, they keep changing. And, and the last one I did was particularly hard when it came to that end. And it was kind of like, well, you know, I could do this again and get stressed out again majorly like I was. And I was just burnt, you know, doing it for, at that point, over 10 years. Oh, wow. And not doing too bad. I mean, really, we released some CDs, got some nice reviews internationally, got some airplay internationally, made music videos, only did like maybe one show out of New York State, though, unfortunately, for various reasons. But uh, we did play out throughout New York State and uh, played to some very, some nice-sized crowds and some not-so-nice-sized crowds. But that's part of being in a band. But I was just burnt at the time. So I wanted to change things up a little bit. And I said, well, you know, and... One of the music videos we were doing, ironically with Ron Bonk, who I mentioned earlier, he was um, doing some of our music videos. Well, basically what was happening was almost everybody was miserable on the set, except for me. I was having a ball because you know, I'm in front of a camera. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy boy. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, I'm a ham. I'm a performer. You know, I love doing it. I've been in front of a camera, whether it's a still camera or a video camera, for most of my life. It's just natural for me. I don't have any camera shyness at all, unless I'm, you know, I don't have my wig on. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know or, or my face isn't made up. Then, no, no, you can't see it. No. no, no. But, um, by the way, wigs are available at my store at waynewjohnson.com for $19.99 plus $49.99 shipping and handling. Gotcha. But anyway, um, a, there'll be a link in the show notes. We got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't have Wayne Wigs. Um, although I uh, just to veer off, like I always do, actually, believe it or not, there's actually been a couple of films where I wasn't available for like a like a short thing, like a, oh, like no. a film thing. So they actually had somebody else, and they actually had to use a wig. Which <laughs> um, kind of funny. And well, In particular, there's a movie called The Dollmaker, where I play the killer. His name is some Horace Merkins. That's by Monstrous Entertainment and Stealing Shade Productions. And that was in Syracuse. And the killer, he's I'm, I'm wearing like this bulletproof vest because the original guy was like 350 pounds with no neck. And then he was gone. So I took his place, and I'm not 350 pounds, and I have a neck. So they, they had to, so they had to bulk me up. So I'm, I look like this big guy, okay, with this baby mask on, which is made out of plexiglass, okay. And of course, my hair is out, everything like that. But there were a couple of times where I wasn't available for just like a quick shot. So the producer, his name is Jason Prano, 
and he he got a wig, and it's actually got some dreadlocks. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but in the dark you can't really tell. But there's some. I put some pictures up. There's a picture of like me right next to him when he's all done up, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, kind of like, and it's so that's where the Wayne wig jokes started coming nice. in, you know, and everything like that. I don't even remember what the original question. Oh, how I got started with with acting and stuff. So I, <laughs> yeah. you know, again, I go, I veer off. I could sit there and talk all day long. You need an. I need like several off buttons on me. Um, I was just burnt out with music at the time, and I seemed to have taken it as far as I could. That thinking was probably because of I was so burnt out, you know. And it was like, well, now I got to start auditions again. I've got to start from scratch again, in a sense. So I, I made a conscious decision. I said, well, I'm going to go for this. Uh, there are a lot of similarities between acting and music. On the one hand, it shouldn't be that hard for me to make the transition. Plus, I love performing anyway. What I didn't have was training. So I had to kind of bank on my performance background and my look, um, not to say that I'm gorgeous or anything like that, but you know, I'm like 6'3", I'm kind of a big guy, I've got the long hair, I, I look like uh, Native American. My look is a little, not necessarily the norm, so I had to kind of bank on that and basically do what I've done always in music is I just throw myself into the deep end and learn how to swim that way. So I just started trying to find as many projects as I could and learn that way. And it's worked out so far. I mean, it, it led me to Tales of Dracula. It led me to Star Trek New Voyages Phase 2. It led me to Night of Something Strange. I mean, Star Trek was actually within my first year. I actually got uh, eligible for the union, SAG eligible, within my first year. Oh, wow. Well, congrats. That's great. Thanks. Uh, I just don't have three grand to join the union. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, at the very beginning of that recording, I mentioned when we were recording. So, Wayne, thank you for recording with me last month and being patient while I edited this and put it into the mix here at Monster Kid Radio. Wayne was a great guy to talk to. He would just go and give me so much information, plenty of content to pull from. And there's more of it coming in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio here in a couple of days. Now, at the very end of that, you heard him mention Star Trek New Voyages. This is one of the incredible fan series that's being produced right now. And I'm going to say it. It's one of my favorites. So we're going to talk a little bit about his experience working on this Star Trek series, talk a little bit more about Tales of Dracula, and who knows what else is going to come up. You'll just have to come back in a couple of days to find out. You shall pay. Black Prince, I press you with my name. You shall be Blackula. Blackula, the Black Avenger, rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula, Dracula's soul brother, deadlier even than he. Blackula, he thirsts for your blood, he hungers for your soul, more horrifying than Dracula. The Black Avenger, Blackula, an American international release, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. A couple of months ago was Cthulhu Con here in Portland, Oregon, and I went. I was a panelist, and you heard one of the recordings that I took at one of the panels at the convention. Well, something else happened at the convention that I was very excited about. I got to see a short movie called The Mill at Calder's End. Now, this is a short 
puppet movie. But when I say puppet, don't let that turn you off. This is a creepy, effective film. The sculpt on these puppets is incredible. They're fantastic. And one of them is voiced by Barbara Steele. And when her voice turns up, boy, it lends such an extra level of just creep, gothicness, and maybe even a little bit of legitimacy. The bottom line is The Mill at Calder's End is incredible. And I plan on talking with Barbara Steele about the movie when I run into her at this year's Living Dead Horror Convention here in Portland, Oregon. This is happening November 13th through the 15th at the Oregon Convention Center. It is the first annual celebrity and horror convention. And there is going to be a lot for, well, any fan of horror. You don't just have to be a fan of classic horror like we are. They've got Friday the 13th content. They've got Twin Peaks content. They've got horror artists. They've got horror writers. Fangoria is going to be there. This is going to be a hell of a good time, and I can't wait till November. The back half of 2015 is looking awesome for me in terms of conventions and events coming up, and the Living Dead Horror Convention is one of these events that's on my calendar and circled many, many times. Now, I don't know if the movie The Mill at Calder's End will be playing at the Living Dead Horror Convention. I hope it is. I'd love to see it again. Right now, the only place you can see it is on the festival circuit. Now, eventually, my understanding is, is that the director, Kevin McTurk, will be releasing this on DVD or Blu-ray. At least he talked about it at one point when this was just a Kickstarter campaign. But if you go to the Kickstarter page, you'll see that he posted that the festival directors and such are not too keen on him putting the movie out on DVD or Blu-ray at this time. So at this point, the only place to see The Mill at Calder's End and to hear Barbara Steele's voice in this incredible short film, which is a Rondo Award winner, is on the convention circuit. So if you have a chance to see it anywhere near you, I highly recommend it. Monster Kid Radio approves. And if you meet the director, tell him that Monster Kid Radio said hi. Just like I'll be saying hi to Barbara Steele when I run into her at the Living Dead Horror Convention. November 13th through the 15th at the Oregon Convention Center. You can find out more about it over at livingdeadcon.com. I've oftentimes heard people refer to their podcasts as a labor of love. I call BS on that. Not because I don't love it, but this isn't really work. This is the kind of thing that I would do in my off time. I want to live in a world where there's Monster Kid content available 24 hours a day. And if I can contribute to that a little bit by producing this show, well, bully for me, I don't know. Bottom line is thank you for listening to Monster Kid Radio and making it what it is. If you subscribe to the show on iTunes, I'd love to ask for an honest review over there. If you listen to the show on Stitcher or any other podcast catcher, if there's a way to leave a comment or a review or or maybe retweet the link or share it on Facebook, I appreciate you helping to spread the Monster Kid Radio gospel. Next time on Monster Kid Radio, we've got Wayne W. Johnson back to talk some more about his acting career, the Star Trek fan series he got involved with, more about Tales of Dracula. I'm excited to share that with you. I hope you're excited to come back and hear it. If you need more Monster Kid Radio before that, head over to monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. You can find our contact information over there. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. You can also email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. We have links to our Facebook group where you can get involved with conversations with listeners of Monster Kid Radio between episodes, talk about what you heard on the show, talk about what you'd like to hear on the show in the future. You can also be part of our Patreon campaign and become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support us that way while getting yourself some sweet swag along the way. We also have a link to every single song that's appeared here in the show. 
So if you want to go support the bands that support Monster Kid Radio, that's how you do it. Speaking of songs, I feel like playing that song, Cobweb Jungle, one more time, which must mean we're at the end of the episode. So remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Cobweb Jungle. That belongs to the band Invisible Dracula. You can find it on their Invisible EP over at invisibledracula.bandcamp.com. It appears with their permission, so go show them some appreciation, would you? Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. (laughs) 